The other day, my wife Sue asked me a question that every year I dread. It's one that fills me with just major stress. I don't think I get stressed about anything more than I do about trying to answer this question. And the question is, what do you want for Christmas? Now, for me, it's not just what do you want for Christmas. I'm one of those unfortunate people who has a birthday within a week of Christmas. So it's not just what do you want for Christmas, it's what do you want for your Christmas and birthday? And it's like, is that one question? Is that two questions? Do I need to make one decision, two decisions? Why do I? I don't know. I don't know what I want for Christmas. I don't know what I want for my birthday. So I generally get stuff that you know, may or may not be appropriate. Um, I've come to the realisation it is actually a family failing. Uh, my dad was exactly the same, which is why my dad, when he got Christmas presents, sometimes they were presents that were wildly inappropriate. Like, why would you give a guy with a beard aftershave? <laughs> Says something about my broader family as well. Or a guy that doesn't drink alcohol. It's like, fine, you know. I think Dad, uh, in the spirit of Kavanaugh Christmas, has regifted both of those. <laughs> and it's just like, it just really does my head in. My memories of Christmas uh, see, the, see, the, see the cheeky little kid on the table up there? He's doing the tongue thing. That's me. And I reckon I must have been about four at the time. The, the two girls at the front there with the matching outfits, thanks to my mum, and my two sisters, and the other little girl at the front there is my, my cousin Janet. Um, the tall gentleman smiling in the background is my dad. The other gentleman in the corner there is my grandfather. And the lady in front of him in the lighter coloured dress is my grandma Rita. And as you can see, you know, you look at it, now where is your eye drawn in that photo? Rita. The photo next to it, which was taken probably, um, oh, it must have been 15 or so years earlier. Uh, the, the young man lounging in the, in the photo on the left there is the young man sitting at the edge of the uh, shed there. These, these were all photos taken, family Christmases. Our family had a great tradition at Christmas of going down to my grandparents' holiday house in McRae. Uh, that was on, the, uh, on the, the, the deck at the side of the, the house. Um, and they had a, what we referred to as the boat shed, uh, down on the beach. Uh, and that was Christmas. Every Christmas, every Easter, we got together. So eventually what would happen at Christmas is the cousins. So my two sisters, me my cousin Janet and the other cousins that came along over time, 
would play Monopoly. Now, I don't know how your family plays Monopoly. I've played Monopoly with the Nichols family. It was interesting. <laughs> um, Monopoly, for my extended family, was a war of attrition. We had... You see, I, no, the, the, the first argument would be, do you play the long game or the short game? And it's like, let's play the long game because the long game is actually quicker than the short game. Doesn't, don't know how that worked out. But our games would go, on average, for about three days. And it would just be wear people down until they go broke. So it, it says something for my... I, I think it's probably where my sense of tenacity and sticking at things sort of grew and developed. But that's, that was Christmas. Christmas was about family. The gifts were like, and, and seriously, for someone whose birthday was always around Christmas, it was like, yeah, the gifts are like, meh. Birthday present and Christmas present. There was one present that was worth about one and a half times what you would normally get as a Christmas present because my relatives are all tight. <laughs> it's like, here, here, here's your present, Andrew. It's Christmas and birthday. It's like, thanks. And then... But anyway, I'm not really bitter and twisted about having a birthday <laughs> so close to Christmas. If for those of you wondering, it's New Year's Eve, uh, which creates a whole raft of other problems and created a massive problem for my birthday, uh, for my 40th. I never had a 40th birthday. It disappeared because it was the 31st of December 1999 and everybody was worried about the world coming to an end. So... Sort of sometime in 1999, I thought I might try and organise a birthday party and everybody I contacted, sorry, I'm booked. I've got something organised for the end of the world party. It's like, oh, come on. So yeah, it never happened, so I never turned 40, so I'm still 39, which explains so much, doesn't it? No, I got gifts. Getting back to the, 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 the topic of my message today. I got gifts. When I was a kid, they always seemed to be books. Then as I got older, I sort of took control of the gift giving. And it was like, I'd like this album, thank you, for those of you that remember vinyl, although it seems to be making a comeback. So I could always tell my present because it was either the square one that was about, you know, yay thick, unless it was a double album and then it was a little bit thicker. Um, when, it was, when I was a kid, it was the book-shaped ones, and occasionally I had an aunt that used to give me, like, underpants and socks. <laughs> Thanks, Auntie Pat. But it was, no, it's there. Now I seem to be getting books again. It's like, yay. Not too sure when I'm going to read these, but thanks for the books. But Christmas is an interesting time. Christmas is a time when people who normally wouldn't think about Jesus at all, maybe going, oh, Christmas, and they recognise the nativity scene. Now, they look at something like that and go, oh, I think that's got something to do with Jesus. Wildly inappropriate. Now, I was contemplating maybe doing a, 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 a quick quiz, you know, like, how many wise men were there? How many, how many, put your hand up if there were three. And you're all going, I don't trust this man. <laughs> He's tricking me. The Bible actually doesn't say how many they were. The Bible just says that there were three different types of gifts. So we sing songs like Christmas songs, like we three kings of Orient are, and tried to smoke a rubber cigar. Sorry. 
Those of you old enough remember that version of it. Yes, I saw who was laughing then. The Bible doesn't say there were three, but we all have in our heads there were three. We have a view, and you know, the slide we had up there with the manger, you know, the roof, it's like more likely it was a cave. But that's really, really hard to draw a picture of. It doesn't look so inviting. We have these ideas, but people at least start thinking about Jesus. Now, the problem we have when we start thinking about Jesus is the options. No, what about Jesus are we thinking about? Is it just, no, we'll get to the baby Jesus and all the rest of it later. It's interesting as I was doing some research for this. Only half of all Australians know Jesus was a real historical person. This was research done in Australia last year. Okay, this is not, this is relatively recent. 49% Jesus was a real person who actually lived. I've had this conversation with guys from the cricket club. Now, one guy was telling, a couple of years, I remember a couple of years ago, was telling me about how he'd been over to Southeast Asia and it was like, he goes, it was amazing being able to sit under the tree where Buddha sat. No, so I was actually walking in the footsteps of a real person, not some fairy story. And I'm just going, what you talking about, Mick? It's interesting, he's, he's, he's moved up to Sydney. He married a Buddhist woman. He's coming back down to Melbourne. We're catching up next, next Sunday for lunch. Um, uh, really looking forward to just having a, another chat with him. But he just, he just he, it, was, it totally blew his mind that Jesus was a historical person. Now, there are so many independent verifications of the existence for Jesus. It was interesting. There was a, a, an ABC article, so no, you would expect them to be a little bit on the sceptical side of things. But their headline was something along the lines of, no, half of Australians don't believe Jesus was a historical person. Historians disagree. There's so much proof. You know, guys like Pliny and Tacitus and, and Josephus, um, who all independently acknowledge the existence of the historical person, Jesus. No, 22% think he's a mythical person and 29 people aren't brave enough to give an answer or don't care no and they're the 29% that I think are ripe <laughs> no let's talk to the 29% who don't know and help them know him another story there was other research done no not no that was was Jesus? Did he exist? Who was he? Well, 20% go, he was just a normal human being. 26.1% got in human form who lived among people in the first century. 29.3%, so the greatest response, was a prophet or spiritual leader, not God. And then 21% don't know other, I'm not too sure what that was, 3.8%. Um, but you sit there and go, there's a lot of people there that even if they acknowledge he existed as a real person, 
don't actually recognize who he was. It's a great opportunity for us to go, hey, I've got a bit of a relationship with him. Let's talk about him. He's a friend of mine. I'd like to introduce you, like you would with any friend. No? But then it's like the question of how do we view Jesus? Do we view Jesus as the baby Jesus? A lot of the people that you talk to, particularly non-Christians, this is the view. Jesus is perpetual infant. He is just the baby Jesus. No, baby Jesus, meek and mild. And we don't move past that. It's a very Christmassy one, and it's probably the only time we think about Jesus as the baby, but it's all we see him as. He's a baby. He's the gift that prompts us to give gifts. And there's truth in that. No? Then you've got the crucified Jesus. No? Here we have both of those juxtapositioned together. Baby Jesus with the cross above it. But you get other people who just see Jesus as the crucified Jesus, the sacrifice for our sins that enable us to have eternal life. Again, great aspect of Jesus, but only part of the picture. Got Jesus, the wise teacher. And it's interesting when you talk to people, for a lot of non-Christians that acknowledge that Jesus was a historical person. This is the, this is the Jesus that they acknowledge. Oh, yes, he was, a, he was a wise teacher. He wasn't God. He was just a very you know, wise man that existed in the first century. And you, know, you read the Gospel of Matthew, and that's really the, the emphasis that comes out through that, through that Gospel, Jesus, the wise teacher. You've got Jesus, the good man. Again, a very common perception. Oh, yes, he existed, but he was just a good man. No, helper of the marginalised. Um, and that's really the predominant theme in the Gospel of Luke. Then you get Jesus, the political activist. It's interesting the different artistic impressions of Jesus that you get, isn't it? Uh, Jesus, the political activist. This is very popular in some parts of the world. It's the, the view of Jesus that they have. And Jesus becomes their model for revolution. Um, but you read the Gospel of Mark, and if that's all you read, that's the, story, that's the impression you get. And then, no, you've got Jesus, the healer, giver of good gifts, pseudo-Santa. No? And it's like, give me a gift, give me a gift, give me a gift. And that's how we relate to Jesus. What I want to spend a bit of time on this morning is how I think we should view Jesus, which is how he's portrayed in the Gospel of John. John presents a unique view of Jesus in his gospel. 
Now, give you a, a clue as to why I think it's a unique view. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the word love appears 37 times across all three Gospels combined. The word love appears 36 times in the Gospel of John. So almost as much in John's Gospel as it does in all other three Gospels combined. John's letter, the first letter that is attributed to John later on in the New Testament, again, 36 times in that one letter. That's five chapters, and the word love appears 36 times. So for John, his perception of who Jesus was, his idea of what Jesus was about, can be summed up in one very, very simple word, love. No, and John makes statements like, no, they will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. No, let's have a look at a couple of them. This is John 13, verses 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, you remember, he's talk, Jesus is talking to Jews here who have been given the Ten Commandments and they knew the Ten Commandments and they had a whole lot of other rules and regulations that had flown out of trying to protect those Ten Commandments. But Jesus is going, stop. Let me simplify things for you. I'm giving you a new commandment that supersedes the old commandments. And this new commandment is really, really simple. Three words, love each other. Just love each other. (laughs) Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, remember, this is a guy who's died because he loved each other. So so he says, just as I have loved you, it's not just a tokenistic lip service. It's a sacrificial, lay down your life for your friends, love for each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. No, it's not a suggestion. It goes on in John chapter 15, verses 9 to 14. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. No, how has the Father loved Jesus? Send him to earth to die. Sacrificial. Not self-interested. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, who for Christmas would like overflowing joy? rather than out-of-control stress. (laughs) And I reckon there are your two options this Christmas. Maybe the third option is isolation. (laughs) I'm just going to live in a cave. This is my commandment. So Jesus is repeating himself here, and when Jesus starts to repeat 
repeat himself. Um, I think it's a really strong suggestion that maybe we should listen. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. What you just commanded them to do, love each other. How do we obey Christ? Love each other? It's not a suggestion, it's a command. It's what we are meant to do as Christians. It's how the rest of the world should experience Christians. Uh, one of our series earlier in the year, uh, Caleb talked about judgy judgy. <laughs> I'm sure those of you that were here and heard it would remember that. The judgy judgy sort of tends to stick in your mind. And it's very easy to become judgy judgy. It's not so easy to be lovey lovey. To love each other. To love each other enough to step out to take that risk of, hey, no, what's going on? You seem a bit stressed. Is there anything I can do to help? What can I do to help you navigate this time? Christmas is an incredibly stressful time for so many people. It's a great opportunity to reach out and impact the lives of others. This is, this is a passage from John's letter, 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is Love. No, I would have liked to have put a full stop after each of those words. God is love. He's a whole lot of other things, but God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God. God doesn't love us because we loved him first. We love him as a natural response to being loved by him. But that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. Now, if God loved us so much that he sent his son... The least we can do, this is what John is really saying, the least we can do is love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. No one's seen God, but if we are loving other people, they get a glimpse of who God is. So what does that mean for how we live our life? What does it mean for us as we navigate this festive season? What does it mean for us if we proclaim to be 
Christ's disciples. So which Christ are you going to embrace this Christmas? Are you just going to focus on baby Jesus, meek and mild? Are you going to focus on Jesus crucified? We're going to embrace Jesus, the embodiment of love. Now, regardless of how long you've known him, I've been a Christian now for 44 years. Sorry, I tell a lie. Make that 54 years. 54 years, I was nine. September 1969. I think I've changed a little bit my relationship with him over that time. And the thing, the older I get, the more I reflect on the fact that there have been a lot of times where I have emphasized the wrong aspect of who Jesus was and lost sight of the love that he wants me to show. And the challenge is, no, what am I going to do to embrace Christ more this Christmas? And how is that going to impact those that I come in contact with? The challenge. You all know I love a good pun. So don't just unwrap the presents this year, unwrap the presents. No. The love that he has put in your heart, unwrap it. Let it show out to those you come into contact with over Christmas. No. The dance that the kids did earlier. What was the theme of that? Joy. What was the foundation of that joy? Recognition that we are loved by God. That's the source of our joy. That God loved us. So unwrap that. Be joyful at Christmas. No? Some Christmas can just be a bit of a, no, let's talk, let's talk about all those family members who aren't there. <laughs> and it becomes a little bit toxic. But no, don't get drawn into that. Be joyful. Joyful, joyful. Have that running through your head. If it's not the kids, no, think Whoopi Goldberg. Sister Act. So ask yourself the question, what, what presents are you going to unwrap at Christmas this year? Build relationships with people. Families can be weird. Some families weirder than others. But families can be weird. Relationships aren't always what they should be or what they could be. 
So regardless of whether you're a Christian or whether you're a not Christian, whoever, whoever is watching and listening to this message, over Christmas, build relationships. Build a relationship with those family members that you haven't spoken to much. No? My extended family, the only time we get together is when either people get married or die. And even then, it's a bit hit and miss. Go out of your way to connect with your family. The ones you haven't seen. The ones where maybe there's been some tension, some strained relationships. And work with that. Work on that. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, I encourage you. Start exploring. Start asking questions. Talk to somebody who knows him and find out more. If you do have a relationship with Christ, ask yourself a question. How do I get to know him deeper? How do I get to know him more? What, what do I need to grow in? How do I let more of his presence flow out? And how do I share that with those with whom I come in contact? I'm going to ruin ho, ho, ho for you. I'd love to say sorry, but I'm not. No. On one of my walks, for those of you that, that know me, I do a bit of walking. Full-time work's gotten away of that a little bit. Bit of a pain. I'm down to about 70 k's a week now. Um, and there's a house on the other side of Hall Road. Okay, that on the, at their front door, they've got this, ho, ho, this illuminated flashing ho, ho, ho. Got me thinking about, you know, for a lot of people for Christmas, ho, ho, ho is what they think about. You know, the whole Santa thing. And I've gone, well, let's, let's, let's dial that up a bit. The first ho, who? Who can I connect with? God, who do you want me to connect with? Who do you want me to touch? Who do you want me to minister to? How? How do you want me to do that? Not just one size fits all, but how do I meet the needs of that particular person at that particular time? Are they part of the 29% that don't know that Jesus was a real person? Are they part of the 22% that think he was just a myth? Are they part of the 49% that think he was a real person, but part of the 26% that think he was just a good man? Or the 29% that think he was just a good man? So how, should, how do I need to connect based on what do I know about that person? That requires you to build a relationship with them, to work out where they're at, so you know how to reach out to them. And the third hoe is home. You know, how, how, when do I bring them into my home? When do I go to their home? No, don't just keep it as a safe, neutral venue thing, but how do we get into people's homes. So when you see ho, ho, ho over Christmas, think, who do I need to connect with? How do I connect with them? How do I get them into my home? How do I get into their home? I said, what a ruin ho, ho, ho for you. Over the week, no, 
can't encourage you to do it at Life Group because most of them are wrapped up for the year. <laughs> Ask yourself the question, who am I going to see over Christmas? Who am I going to see that I don't normally get to see? And how am I going to demonstrate God's love to that person? Who's going to see people that they only get to see at Christmas? Anyone? Apart from me? Yeah. Bunch of us. So, so how do I connect with them? How do I demonstrate God's love to them that's going to be a way that's meaningful for them? No? If you're wanting to reflect on this, what aspect of Christ is generally your focus? No? Which Jesus do we like the best? Because that's the one we tend to focus on. I encourage you to focus on God as love. Jesus is the embodiment of love because all the other aspects of Jesus' character and his nature and his work is wrapped up in the fact that he is love. No, why do we default to the one we do? Which one do we focus on the least? Why do we focus on that the least and how can we grow in that area? So what I'd like to do now, if we can all stand. Thanks, Olivia. I don't want to know your plans on how you're going to connect with people over Christmas. This is a time for you to just stop and actually have that conversation with God now. Who do you want? It's easy to do this cognitively, to be able to stop and go, okay, yes, I'm going to see this person, so I'll do that. And, and we map out a plan. And God goes, well, that's great, but I actually want you to connect with this relative, this cousin that you haven't seen for 15 years, the one who's actually not going to be at the Christmas parties because they don't feel like they're accepted in the family anymore. I want you to give them a ring. Reach out to them. Let them know you've been thinking about them. 